Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fight Talk Podcast. This is going to be something a little bit different. I'm Steven Jensen, and I'm here today with John Mosley. You can find him on Twitter at MoseKobk, M-O-S-E-K-O-B-K. And we've been doing a show over on the Sobros Network out of Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we've been doing a show called Another Round MMA. And this is going to be somewhat of a new start for this show. And it's going to be pretty much the same thing, though, same concept. It's going to be myself and Mose talking to MMA, whatever happened this past weekend, whatever's happened the next weekend, just covering all the major news and all that stuff like we've been doing. Same exact show, just a different platform. And that being said, Moe's is going to be leading the show. He's going to be essentially the host. We're going to be co-hosting the thing, just like we had been. And I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to him. So, Moe's, feel free to introduce yourself a little bit and take over, man. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Uh, John Mosley, but everybody calls me Moe's. Uh, appreciate the Twitter. Uh, any any new followers, anything over my way? Uh, definitely MMA talk, wrestling talk. Uh, I do a lot of uh, work commentary and whatnot with independent wrestling but uh, mma has been a big part of my life probably since i was a teenager um and it's like half my life of just watching so really excited that we're able to keep this going and uh and yeah man uh, i think what uh could not have asked for a better show uh to, to kick things off we're on the new platform man um habib gagey it lived up maybe not to all of the expectations i think a lot of people were expecting um, maybe, uh, you know, Habib to, to out-wrestle, maybe Gagey to look for the, the striking, but Habib came out fucking throwing hands, throwing flying knees. Uh, he looked like a completely different animal, but still had that, you know, the second that wrestling uh, took over, you could see it on Gagey's face at the end of the first round that just like, God damn it, looks So um, I want to know, man, uh, what were your thoughts on, on the fight? Uh, and what did you think uh, seeing K- uh, Khabib come out the way he did in that first round? Man, he went out there and just put on a masterful performance, like just completely outclassed Gaethje pretty much in every in every sense. But I will say Gaethje landed some nice mm-hmm. leg kicks, which is something that we had talked about in our prediction show. Uh, that you know Gaethje could be really dangerous with those. And to and I mean it's hard to say because Habib is like such. A monster when he fights but like you have to imagine like no matter who you are you can't eat too many more of those like Khabib's leg was red and mm-hmm. and, and Gaethje was landing a couple shots here and there you know on the feet you know with, with his strikes and all that kind of stuff and so he didn't go out there and like completely get his ass kicked the first round like so I will say that but even when I was watching it outside of the leg kicks I was like Habib's pressure especially was was impressive like him just staying in front of him controlling the octagon and of course Habib himself was landing a lot of shots also the the land the significant strikes landed in the first round was pretty close and Mm -hmm. I think I think that I've seen stuff about some of the judges actually scoring round one for Gaethje which wow yeah which, which which was surprising to me but like I guess not completely out of the realm of possibility but yeah then we move on to the second round and that's when things just really picked up because Habib just just mauled him he just does he just did what he does and we saw it a little bit in the first round and then again in the second round with Habib uh his ground his ground control is just just second to none and, and Gaethje just you know we, we both talked about it and I think we were pretty accurate it was a lot like the Poirier fight. Like he went in there yep. with a the guy, you know, he went in there with a the guy in, in Gaethje who 
who was prepared, who was in great shape, who has a lot of danger in his punches and, and even more danger in his knockout power than someone like Poirier. Uh, you know, it's kind of an untested submission game and stuff like that. But, you know, Habib went in there and just, just, I mean, I don't even know what else to say. You know, he just <laughs> went in there and just, he, he took him down and he choked him. Uh, you put him in a green, I mean, he's all, he was literally mounting him in, in full yes. mount, started going for the triangle choke. And then Habib or uh, Gaethje rather pretty much just fell right into the trap. And because his basically his options at that point though are you know okay do I want to get choked off of while I'm laying on my back and looking up at him or do I want to get choked looking down at him because at that point Habib's it's over like Habib's already working the triangle you can't move there's way too much time left in the round and it was literally like I mean that was just a masterpiece and, and the thing is Gaethje's still like in comparison to a lot of people Gaethje still fought him pretty damn well and still got just completely owned. No, he did. The, the the little transition in that second round, Habib gets the back, uh, transitions over, of course, gets that triangle choke. Just so slick, so impressive. Yeah, the leg kicks, I'm really glad you brought that up. The leg was looking red. I, I, just That visual to me of just that leg looking rough and, and Habib just still just like that, that, that bear he is, man, just eyeing Gagey down, knowing what he's going to do. Of course, as as mentioned, second round uh, submission, the triangle choke, Gagey. It looked like he kind of tapped, and the ref missed it, and then he, he yeah, he, he went to sleep. Um, again, masterful is I think the word you you summed it up, bro. The, just an absolute amazing performance. Of course, he announces the retirement afterwards. I believe him because of you know we we talked about it before. This is a guy that there's so much for him back home, but even before the loss of his father, you made a promise to your mom. You've got, uh, you, you know, he's going to be just, you know, he, he's got a life there and he doesn't need to be in this cage. Um, so I think it's a legit retirement. I think this could very well be the last time. And if it is the last time, that's the performance you want to go out with. What did you think when, uh, when Habib got the mic and, and, you know, said those words that this is it for me? Yeah, I was for everything you said, you know, like, right. You know, and and he is a guy like you said as well. I I totally believe him. I rarely do when I hear people retire, especially right after fights like that. But he has nothing to prove. I mean, if he's made the money he wants to make and he's left the legacy he wants to leave, and he made a promise to his mother and he doesn't want to fight without his father, like what you know, like there's nothing literally the only thing you can say. At all, and this isn't his fault, and it isn't, and it's nothing that like tarnishes his legacy at all. But the only thing you could say is like, "Damn, we never got Habib versus Tony." That's really the right. only, you know, that's it. And at the end of the day, it kind of makes it that much cooler in a sense because it's always going to be the fight that we never got. It's just going to be known as it's just going to forever and for history in MMA. That's always going to be talked about as like the biggest what if fight that never happened and we lived during the time and like lived four or five different times with that fight being made and fall and we and we'll remember that time as being fans and the fight i mean i'll never i will never forget when uh, one of the times when the fight got canceled and it was literally reported on april fool's day and it but it was a real report like i mean just so there is kind of like this weird charm to that fight never happening also but 
<laughs> but yeah, man. And Habib, well, yeah, go, go, go ahead, Moses. Well, no, I was going to say, I think to your point of the history of it, I think it's it's another one of those and those, especially for fans like us that have been around for so long, we're always going to have those fights, right? Where there's always going to be, we never got Bones and Kane. We never got GSP and Silva. It's just a, a part of kind of the greats. Every great has that fight, I think, in your legacy that is, well, damn, we never got that what if. Um, so I I think it's a long line of that. But uh, I just want to quickly say, too, again, his wrestling and everything, but 29-0, eight knockout wins, 11 submission, 10 decisions. The guy did it all. Yeah, and I honestly, because of when he's retiring, being you know 13-0 in the UFC, 29-0 yeah. overall, and the – the level of dominance, especially his last three fights, like his last three fights, <coughs> excuse me, his last three fights, he took on Conor McGregor, who's the biggest star the company has ever had, choked him out, took on Dustin Poirier, who is probably the most well-rounded fighter mm-hmm. in the world, or at least in that division, um, at the time that he fought him, choked him out, Justin Gaethje, the most overall dangerous fighter that he could have fought in the division as far as like wrestling skill and, and knockout power. Um, and once again, the only thing you can say is like, maybe Tony would have been the most well-rounded and you add in his cardio and that kind of stuff, but taking that fight out of the picture, cause it never happened. And at this point, I don't think ever will. No, those, those three fights right there, you choke out all three of those guys. And, and those three guys that are at that level, that's really, I mean, you can really make the case best pound for pound of all time. Like I, I would, I wouldn't argue it at this point. Let's we'll put it, let's we'll put it that way. Like if somebody were to say Habib Nurmagomedov is the best fighter that's ever lived pound for pound, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't argue. And, and to piggyback off that point, each fight he finished quicker beats Connor in the fourth round, beats Dustin in the third round, beats Justin in the second round, man. You could argue too, like each fight he did get better. We're seeing the best Habib we ever saw you know, just a couple of days ago against Gagey. So, yeah, I mean, again, 32 years old, you know, he's right there in that prime. Like, you know, this next fight, hypothetically, what if he'd have fought, and what if he would have fought Tony and, and, and just, again, we don't know what happened. I know I love El Kukui. If he would have beat Tony in the first round and that be the fourth, I mean, it's just the, the thought of that, it takes that argument to a whole other level because, the the bones arguments there. I know the the outside the cage stuff. Um, my thing for him is if we take that out. I know for a lot of people it's so hard to take all that shit out, and and I don't blame them for not you know for not taking it out. But the names that bones beat and how he finished them, um, it's super impressive to me. But I, I think the point you just brought up is something that even even myself I haven't really let sink in the fact that the last three fights we saw him against his three biggest names, biggest opponents. He was better each time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was with no hint of slowing down at all. Like you're saying, I mean, like like you're saying, I mean, he might have went out there and done even better the next fight. And um, but then there's also the flip side. Like, what if Tony? What if Tony choked him out? You True. know, like and kind of that. What if? Also, kind of. It's kind of, it kind of depends on how you look at it. If Habib would have went out there and, and murked Tony, then it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's really even much of an argument of like pound for pound best. But <coughs> but if you uh if he goes out there and like Tony beats him, then it's kind of like, you know, like now there's now there's still kind of that question there of like, 
what would have happened. But in all honesty, like uh, my, from my perspective, I think Habib would destroy Tony Ferguson. From from what I from what I've seen lately of Habib, and Tony's still a badass fighter. He's still right there. But I don't. I honestly don't see a scenario where Tony does anything different than what Poirier or, or Gaethje just just tried. You know, like it'd be like the same thing. I would have to agree with that. I would 100% agree with that after after seeing what we just saw. I don't I mean again, I'm a huge huge Ferguson fan. Uh I just don't I I would not be able to pick against Habib. I I haven't picked against him probably since gosh. I I love Poirier, but I, you know, I knew probably it was going to happen there. The last time I picked against Habib may have been before I realized how fucking he just who he was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um it just you don't do it. You don't pick against Habib Nurmagomedov ever. Uh, great performance. Before we move on, I do want to ask quick. So, what do you think happens now? Uh, you know, the lightweight title is vacant. Gagey admittedly just got worked by Habib, and you know the first round, like you said, closer than we than probably we're going to remember. History may ever show, but a uh, second round finish. Just is it too easy to say this? But the first thing that popped in my head, it may have yours too. Do we see down the road? Does Gagey maybe get the winner of that Connor Dustin fight, and maybe that the lightweight title? I honestly think that they do uh, Dustin and Connor for the belt. Oh, that's, okay. That's what I think they'll do. Since since the wheels are already in motion for that fight, and that just makes the stakes even that much higher. <clears throat> Literally, the only thing about it that is any kind of downside to that fight at all. And Habib actually mentioned it in his post-fight interview. He's like, he literally said, I choked both of those guys. I'm not interested in them. You know, and it's yeah. like, yeah, that's the truth. Like, I mean, it's two guys that, that Habib choked out that are getting the shot. But at this point, that's what I would do though. I mean, it's still Conor McGregor, it's still Dustin Poirier. Um, <clears throat> and imagine how we'd be talking about both of those guys if Habib didn't exist, you know? Oh, like, for real? Yeah, they like Connor would have been the champ. Connor's still probably be the champion. Um, yep. Or or Dustin may have beaten Connor by that point or something. You know what I mean? The point is like with no Habib there, these are the best guys in the division. Um, so I think they should get the title shot. And it's kind of that world now. Like if Habib's gone, like it really opens it up for them. It's just unfortunate because they're and rightfully so, to be honest. Like there, I think there always should be a little bit of a stigma two of these guys for, for the next handful of years that are going to be right. That are going to be fighting each other for this belt, because these are going to be guys that have been destroyed, you know, like, and that's just the truth. And it's okay for that stigma to exist. I think because it adds mm-hmm. to th- us knowing that legacy of Habib and how fucking good that guy was like, because there needs to be a distinction in my opinion, between elite fighters and the legitimate, like, pound-for-pound best-ever guys. And I think that Connor's elite. I think that Dustin's elite. You know, I think that those guys are, like, literally elite-level fighters. But there has to be a category above that for guys like Habib and guys like Jones and guys like George St. Pierre and guys like Mighty Mouse. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, Mm -hmm. like, a select few, a very select few that are in that conversation. And Habib has to be in that conversation. Um, And then I also think that you know, because there are so many killers still at that division, it's still the most stacked division even without a beat. So you have Connor versus Poirier. I think they do the fight for the belt. I think you do, because um, you got to have Ferguson and Gaethje in the mix there. 
somehow. Oh, you know what? We also got Michael Chandler kind of in there, that's, too. That's the wall card right now. Yeah, maybe you do. You either do Poirier and Chandler or Ferguson and Chandler, maybe. And the oh, winner. Oh, God. Yeah. Because then, the, then the, the, the real wild card. Well, there's two other wild cards. We have Dan Hooker, who's still very much in the conversation. And the the real wild card is Charles Oliveira. Charles just, Oliveira. Yeah, who's just who's just fucking his submission games is just insane. And his striking is getting better and better. So he's like stopping people with strikes and submissions. I mean, this guy is uh, so because he's really the only one. I, I mean, obviously Tony versus Habib would have been cool, but like Habib versus Oliveira would have been the most interesting fight to me, like after seeing what I saw this past weekend, because I think Oliveira is the only one who has any chance at all of catching him in a submission on the ground. Like he's the Mm -hmm. only one who would have had a chance. And so I think Oliveira needs to be in this conversation for sure. It's just a matter of kind of where does he land uh, with the, because if I'm Oliveira, I'm not fighting anybody ranked below me at this point. Like it's got to be, Hooker, Connor, Ferguson, Poirier, Gaethje, or Michael Chandler because they're bringing him in as like a big deal. Maybe that's what they do. Maybe they do Oliveira and Chandler and they do like Hooker and, well, because Hooker already lost to Poirier. The, the, the thing is they have options. Um, I, w- I want to see Gaethje and Hooker, actually. Let's see that. Um, yes, do, do Do Ferguson versus, uh, man, that leaves Oliveira. All right, this is it. This is what you got to do. All right, <laughs> you do, <laughs> you do. Oliveira versus Hooker, Connor versus Poirier, Tony versus Chandler, and Gaethje versus. Who did I just say? Who did I literally just say? Um, Gaethje versus. Oh my god! Now, now Hooker? I'm losing track. No. Yeah, yeah. Gaethje no. versus Hooker. That's it. Gaethje right, versus okay. Hooker. Right, that was it. I messed up there. You got to do Gaethje versus Hooker. You got to do Poirier and Connor. Yep. Tony and Chandler. Oh, yeah. <sighs> but where does that fucking leave Oliveira? I hate that for him. Yeah. No, you're right. Because that, that, I mean, to me, Tony Chandler just, that, that is, that's a fucking fight. Um, I love the idea of every one of those, but you're still, you're, 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 you're leaving Oliveira out. And I think what we're also saying too is we're, again, how great is Habib that all these great fighters that we're talking about, and it's like clear and cut, this is his division. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, he's just, he's just, he was just incredible. And he's only, like you said, he's only 32. I mean, this, 32. I'm interested to see what he does with the rest of his life. Like, because I, I can't imagine him just like not training anymore and stuff. So maybe he'll just wind up coaching a whole lot of people or. Maybe I mean his English is is like good enough that like they could bring him on as like an analyst every now and then or something. Um, like hearing his fight insight would be incredible. Um, <clears throat> so hopefully he stays involved with with the sport and and like the UFC brand and all that because he's still so young that I mean there's you know and but it's also it's it, there's it's nice to see a guy go out in his prime like this too, just undefeated. Uninjured. I mean, he actually he went into the fight with a broken foot, which is insane. Also, that mm-hmm. that you know, like he had a, he had a broken foot three weeks before, and I think there was some report about him having like the flu or something like that. Like they're just now finding out about <coughs> not the uh, 
not Corona, but like he had just some sort of like flu or of some kind or something. Like they found out like a couple weeks before the fight or so. so like Habib, even in like with a broken foot and some sort of flu or whatever, went in there and did this to to Gaethje. Like that's just yeah, but, but yeah, but it is prime. I mean, it is it is nice to see like this guy. There's no sign of him having like mental problems and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's like he's just correct. Just healthy, just this healthy guy in his prime. Maybe he'll run for like government, you know, you know, or something. Maybe that's his bigger role in the world, or at the end of the day, or maybe becomes some big. I, I just because he seems like such a guy that like I could see him being some like philanthropist. I can't say the word philanthropist. Um, <laughs> I was uh, I've never seen the Always Sunny episode where he's can't pronounce. He's saying full on rapist. <laughs> yes. Um, but, <laughs> a uh, ph- philanthropist. Um, I can see him going, you know, back over to you know Russia and Dagestan and all that stuff, and just like just being that guy that like helps the communities and stuff too. You know what I mean? Like, there's a, I, I think I feel like we have we definitely haven't heard the last of Habib and, and the big things he's going to do for for the world. I think. No, I totally agree. I, I think the government thing is an interesting point. I, I totally expect him to be coaching up the uh the youth over there and, and maybe over here too who knows i i know that um mma is, is gonna be uh you know we're losing a, a real like you said not elite isn't big enough for it a real great um so yeah shout out to habib and this performance for him to go to go out on is something we'll for sure be talking about man for years in our in the co-main event we'll wound up we we all agreed basically a number one contender fight for that middleweight uh, the middleweight title around us at Asanya's waist right now. Bobby Knuckles, man. Robert, Robert Whitaker coming out with a decision win, 29-28 across the board over Cannoneer. I thought I thought Whitaker looked great. I, I think, you know, we, we've talked about last week how no matter who came out of this was, was going to get that shot, but to, to put on a performance like that and now uh, 2-0 and in 2020 for, for Whitaker after that loss to Adesanya last October – Went over Darren Till, of course, the win over Cannoneer. Uh, how are you feeling about maybe uh, Whitaker getting back in there with Adesanya? And, of course, your thoughts on the on the fight itself with Cannoneer? I echo your thoughts. I mean, I thought it was a great fight. I thought yes. uh, Whitaker looked awesome. He, um, I mean, I, I'll admit, I think I underestimated how good Whitaker still was. And he, he, he deserves the shot. He deserves a rematch with Adesanya after that. I totally... 100% am for it. And Cannoneer looked good, too. Like, there there were times when Cannoneer looked like he put Whitaker in some danger. And, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where, like, Cannoneer's still in a really good spot. Um, obviously, he'd be getting a title shot if he had won this fight. So, you know, not not ideal here, obviously. But Cannoneer's still very much in that conversation. And he's still in the upper echelon of that division. And with one big knockout over another big name, like, we could very mm-hmm. well see him... I mean, imagine him and, like, Till. You know what I mean? Oh, like, God. Like, just do that. Like, winner of that fight for the title or something. Like, just because it'll be a good fight and people will tune in to watch it. I mean, there's a lot of options. Um, but, yeah, Whitaker, it's got to be Whitaker next for Adesanya. I can't imagine a scenario where Adesanya turns that down either. Like, I don't think he's going to be, like, I, I don't think Adesanya is ducking anybody ever just for what it's worth. But, like. I don't see him being like, no, he doesn't deserve it. Like, I, I, I feel like everybody's got to see the same thing here, and I think it'll be a better fight than the first one. You know, yes, yeah. Adesanya put him out 
so fast the first time. But uh, yeah, I think he's learned. I think Whitaker's learned, and I think to your point again, you know, if you're if you're at Astania, you can't really after his last defense, right? I'm gonna you know, here, I'm watching you, blah, blah blah, and then and then for this performance to have, I mean, like you, you he's we've got to see this fight again. I think it's a again, it's going to be a better fight. I think Whitaker's better, but to all that said, um, I would shocked to see Adesanya win that fight again man I, again this this middleweight division uh these these fights that are there are exciting but man the 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 Israel Adesanya we keep seeing every time in the cage it's fucking remarkable yeah and just yeah for what it's worth if they do rematch I am going to take Adesanya mm-hmm. to win again there so but I do think it'll be a better fight um it, it's the only kind of question mark right now is the timeline because Whitaker, you know, earlier this year, because he had a long layoff, like, he did. Way, I guess, I think it was earlier this year, maybe late last year, he took a lot of time off just for personal stuff. Like, he just, like, needed to get, like, like, he was accepting fights and stuff and then, like, pulling out of them and, like, just really just kind of needed to figure stuff out kind of mentally and physically or whatever was going on with him. He just, he needed to figure some stuff out, took some time off, and I think that time off really helped him. Like, he came back and looked really good against Darren Till. Came back and he looked really, really good against Jared Cannonier. But he's saying that, you know, he probably doesn't want to fight again until, like, March or April. Because he wants to, like, you know, take some time off again. Not that that's, like, that much time off. But we're talking, like, half a year. Um, he wants to, you know, spend time over the holidays with his family and, like, just focus on that kind of stuff. And then wants to get back into it and be fighting around April. So if that happens, but Adesanya wants to stay active, that's the only scenario where I could see maybe somebody else getting a shot. Not necessarily that it would cost Whitaker his chance, but we might see somebody in between potentially. Um, if Adesanya wants to keep fighting, there's somebody ready. But I don't. There isn't really anyone clear cut middle person either unless unless Adesanya of course like went up to light heavyweight for a fight or something like that but um it'd be, I just I want to throw that out there too like I, I definitely think Whitaker deserves it and I think he'll get a shot but if Whitaker's gonna if it's gonna be half a year and Adesanya wants to fight again we could see Adesanya fight somebody else first no I, I, yeah that that's I mean Whitaker it is he, he's it feels like there are those times with the layoffs and this and there but um yeah I would not be shocked to see Adesanya especially yeah, that guy's got to be itching to get back in there. Um, this is without a doubt, though, the fight. I want to see this rematch down the road. Um, I, I think, again, a great performance by Whitaker. Uh, he came out. I know a lot of people. I don't. I can't remember if we picked. I, did we pick Cannonier? I can't remember. Yeah, I definitely okay. did. I think I did, too. I, I think I did. So he made us look wrong. Not the first time. Sure, shit, not going to be the last time. Uh, but, but, yeah, big shout-out to, to Robert Whitaker. Hell of a co-main. And then our, our third of the, those big top three fights that we were really hyped about. Uh, again, I think we both were wrong on this one, right? We, I think did, we, we picked Harris and, and Volkov. That finish, bro, was in fucking credible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Volkov looked amazing. Yes. Uh, he's looking better than he ever has. And this is a guy who's, you know, a former Bellator champion and stuff and, and a very high-level fighter. But he basically worked his way up to that number one contender fight against Derek Lewis and was beating him and then got knocked out with like no time left. And that was the difference between him getting a title shot and him being in the spot he's in right now, having to work his way back up. So 
but this was huge for Volkov. And, you know, you've got to feel bad for Walt Harris, especially with everything he had to go through this past year with Anaya Blanchard and, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you like so he's like he's always going to be uh, a guy that I pull for. But if we're talking, you know, strictly the fight, Volkov was just the better fighter. His his, his striking just better. Got good takedown defense. I mean, he was throwing these kicks and and it just you just you just a better fighter. I think I think the better guy won. I think Volkov is the best version of himself right now, and I think he's a he's a real big threat at uh, at heavyweight because you know we're gonna get to a point here pretty soon where like you know we don't know what's going on with John Jones for sure going to heavyweight, but with Stipe and Francis, like that has to be next. Like it just has to. It has to be. But after that, there aren't like there's not like a huge climb for Volkov. Um, because we'd be looking at like if I pull up the, the rankings real quick, Volkov is gonna be um he's number seven right now. Like if he went out there and beat Oh, he actually mentioned Rosenstrike. Mm-hmm. He doesn't currently have... I think they should do over him in Rosenstrike again. But if they don't, if they wanted to do like Volkov versus Rosenstrike, the winner of that, I could see getting a title shot. So like Volkov is he's right there with this win. He's looking great. Yeah, no, that was me. My next question was, we kind of hinted at it uh, previously on, on an episode was, um, you know, that, that climb isn't that far. You know, the performance like this and now... You know, just rattling off. If we have Stipe and Ngannou, you've got Blades, you've got Rosenstrike, you've got Lewis, Overeem, JDS, Volkov. Like, it, it's not without question that Volkov another performance, uh, maybe two, hell, maybe one more really good finish over, like you're saying, a Rosenstrike or over maybe a Derek Lewis or a, or, or a Blades or even an Overeem. Who knows? You're right there. Uh, just because after Ngannou, it really does feel like kind of an open world for that that next man up, if you will. Yeah, and Volkov's an interesting matchup for Ngannou or Stipe, like stylistically mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and yeah, stylistically and size. Like, you know, that's a uh, it's 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 kind of reminds me of something like um, like Gustafson and Jones, like how they like matched up a lot physically and stuff. And the fight wound up, their first fight at least wound up being like one of the best fights of all time because. They were so similar in so many ways. I can, I, I think that like I'm going to take Ngannou over everyone right now, like with what he's been doing. Right. But, but if Stipe can get past Ngannou again, because you, you know, he does have the win over him from he before. Does. I, I, yeah. I just think Stipe is a lot better now. But, but Volkov versus Stipe, like that's a that's a hard fight to like. I'm still picking Stipe, but like that's a tough one to like really predict when you break it all down. No, no, that matchup is is. I, I would love to see that break down. I, I, I know, of course, we we've just mentioned we got to we got to bring up, though, that, um, you know, Volkov lost to Blades earlier this year. He he got KO'd uh, by Derek Lewis a couple of years ago in October. I know a couple of years ago it doesn't really matter, but um, it needs to be said, you know, that he does have a couple of losses. These guys ahead of him. But I think back to your point of he's never been as good as he was this past Saturday. Yeah, but the the reason I didn't mention Curtis Blades though is because as long as Ngannou is ranked ahead of him or the champion, Blades isn't getting the chance because he's lost yes. to Ngannou twice already. Great like, point. So like that's that's the only reason that I'm not including Blades because I personally like if if Ngannou didn't exist, Curtis Blades could very well be the champion right now potentially because yeah. 
because Blades actually matches up pretty well against someone like Stipe, I think, with with how good Blades wrestling is and his ground control. If he can get Stipe to the ground, that's really really interesting. Um, so I'm I, I'm glad you mentioned Curtis Blades, but the reason I didn't is just because of that. Like as long as Ngannou's lingering there, also, like you're never going to match up Blades and Ngannou a third time. It just doesn't make sense. Um, but but I'm with you though. Like there, Volkov does have some key losses that that had those fights gone the other way. Then yeah, we're talking about him already, like as a title challenger for sure. Yeah, no, and again, I, I can't, I can't stress again how impressed I was with that performance by Volkov. Um, I thought, you know, everything right, looking great. I, I really look forward to see who he gets uh, matched up with next. Moving down the line to our, our next fight here, as we're getting closer to to finish out this main card, and then of course we're going to preview this weekend. We we can't get out of here without talking about the spider. Um, Phil Haas, man, really again. <laughs> Two two names with no Wikipedia pages squaring off in the middleweight division, and Phil Haas comes out 18 seconds knockout. That was really, uh, of course, before Habib. The big talk of Twitter and the internet was this performance by Haas. I I, I just what is else to be said about going out there in 18 seconds and just putting a man out cold? Well, I mean, this was awesome. <laughs> like just, <laughs> just just watching this. And Phil Hawes, yeah, I remember him from like years back. I can't remember why I found out about him. I know he's been around for a while because he also, like, I'm I'm gonna pull up his uh his topology page because I'm trying to remember why I knew about him before this. He was on the Ultimate Fighter in 2016. Maybe that was it. Did that he ever fight for that. one? Did he ever fight for one? Oh, he fought for Bellator and WSOF. Okay, like I know, I know, I knew this guy somehow, but he, uh, yeah, he fucking destroyed Malcoon. And Malcoon is a dude who trains with Robert Whitaker, like, wh- like in his gym, like their training partners, like, were really highly touted. The story going into this one was actually that Malcoon supposedly was having a hard time getting any fights. Like he was trying to get like you know pro fights locally, and apparently, like he was so like so dominant and everyone knew that his link with Whitaker and stuff that people were like afraid to fight him. So like coming into this fight, I was like, Oh damn, if, if that's true about Malcoon, cause like I have heard about fighters like that in the past, to be fair, like fighters that, you know, they take a long time to get to the UFC and then you're like, why did it take him so long? And then you find out, well, it's cause like they had like no fights to show the UFC because people like wouldn't fight them like locally and stuff like that. So that was Malcoon's story coming into it. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like the combination of that reputation and Whitaker, uh, this is going to be pretty, pretty awesome. And then Haas just goes in there and just murks him in 18 seconds, just whack out cold. Um, yeah. I mean, great performance. by you, you can't have a better performance than that if you're Phil Haas. And it got people talking about him, like you said. And yes. uh, there was a lot of people watching this show. So he's going to get a, you know, that's the thing. We talk about like Chimeov and stuff like that. I'm not mm-hmm. saying, I'm not saying Haas is necessarily that, but what I am saying is he's fighting on the right shows and doing the right things. And that's, you know, he's going to get opportunities. So we'll see what's next for him. I, I thought that was flawless victory. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I'm surprised. There's got to be a video on Twitter or somewhere of, of the Mortal Kombat finish. Cause it was, man, it was, just an absolute murking 18 seconds with the finish. Um, 
Did not get a performance of the night bonus, though. That went to Habib and Magomed, who fucking put uh, put Kudaloba down. The other two fights on the main card, of course, just mentioned Magomed beats Kudaloba. No, no controversy this time. Knockout in that first round. And, of course, Lauren Murphy getting the rear naked choke win, which we both called second round uh, to... Again, I think you you were on this last week, man. You said expect a lot of finishes on this card, and you were right on the money. Yeah, these, yeah, I, I it really was. And Ankalaev defeating Kudalaba, like that was. Gross. I mean, you yeah, and you can't be more definitive than that. I mean, you have a guy on the ground, hammer fists, and he's out cold. And it's like, you know, like there's no, there is no like you said, there's no controversy about it. Um and. You know, Lauren Murphy mentioned in her, I, I retweeted her post-fight uh, press conference uh, that, yes. clip that I found because she brings up fantastic points about why, like, why is she getting looked over and why is Jennifer Mai getting a title shot over her? And I totally see her points. Like, like Lauren Murphy right now is on a four-fight winning streak and the, the last three, it's Angela Lee, who has a lot of hype behind her, like always. Roxanne Mataferi, who's one of the best fighters to ever fight at that weight class. And then Sharikova, who, you know, she just choked out this past Saturday. And, I mean, and Bor- Borella, who she beat in that fir- the first string of that fight, she had hype too, but she's gone on a four-fight losing streak since. So she isn't, like, in hindsight, that's not really that impressive of a win. But the last three especially... And then you look at Jennifer Maya. She's one and one in her last uh, two fights, and she's missed weight two of her last three. So it's like, uh, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a damn good point, Lauren. Like, and I I agree with her. So this was a not only was it a big impressive win for Lauren Murphy. Like, I don't know if the Jennifer Maya Shevchenko fight is signed officially or not. I know that's definitely what they've been talking about doing. And if it is signed, there's really nothing you can do with this. Well, I should say there's nothing you can do at this point, but it would be fucked up to just cancel it and change it. But if there's nothing signed at this point, like I would give Lauren Murphy the chance um, over. Because the other thing is, too, at that weight, like <clears throat> if you're looking at, you know, Lauren Murphy, um, and then we're also, of course, you know, Jennifer Maya getting the next shot, like we can't be not paying attention to Jessica Andrade also coming in there and just destroying Kaylin Chukagian. And so, like, you, you're we're finally seeing some fucking like actual contenders here for for Shevchenko again, which is great. And my point being, Andrade, that's a legitimate contender. She's a former champion. She came in, she beat number one, just destroyed her. Boom. You have Jennifer, or sorry, uh, Laura Murphy, who just did everything I just said, and then you have Jennifer Maya, where I'm like, I don't think she deserves it as much as those other two. I think they need to start. If that isn't signed, they need to, they need to reconsider. I think. No, yeah, it's it, it, I, I saw the clip you reposted and I did. I just was like, I hadn't really sat down and thought about the, you know, that that whole scenario, but it just feels I mean, it's one of those again where head scratching going, uh, this is right. Like, I don't understand this is happening, especially look what how many is in a row? This is four in a row for Murphy, two of those, uh, you know, finishes. I, I just it's right there. I think worst case scenario, she's going to get the shot next, but uh, a hell of a performance. And again, I, I'm going to say it again. We both were on that one. Uh, we, we got a couple wrong, but we definitely got Lauren Murphy, right? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was one we were on the money with for sure. Uh, before we get out of this, uh, I definitely want to bring up the, uh, 
we got the shoey. We were curious during COVID. <laughs> can we, can you get a shoey in? And he wasn't able to do it out by the cage, but we got to the back, uh, two of us, the knockout over Stefan Struve at the very end of the first round. We got a fucking shoey. It was a big win. Um, and then of course the, uh, the fight of the night was also on the prelim card. Casey Kenny over Nathaniel Wood, which was another one you pointed out saying, you know, keep an eye on that fight, man. Uh, what did you think seeing that one break down the way it did? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I have to keep clearing my throat. I, my allergies are like killing me right now. I apologize. But uh, yeah, fucking, uh, I call, yeah, I called that one. Like, you, you did. asked me last week, you're like, which fight would you highlight out of the prelims? I said Casey Kenny and Nathaniel Wood. And th- this is. The, the fight was great and Casey Kenny winning was my prediction as well. And it was, um, it was a really, really good fight. Like, and both guys stocks rose out of this one too. Like even if, even though Nathaniel would lost, it was another good fight that he was a part of. And yeah, th- this was really good. And then Tai Chi Avasa, like I, I predicted Stefan Struve to win because of basically his length and his size, but totally wrong there. I mean, Tui Avasa, the knockout with one second left in the first round, Impressive, yeah, impressive stuff. And two of Austin needed that. I think he was on a three fight losing streak coming into that fight. I need to double check that real quick. But yeah, he was on a three fight losing streak, so he really needed that. And Stefan Struve, I'm gonna say it again. I mean, like the guy retired like a couple years ago. He came back. I don't know why. Now this is all happening. Like, just retire, man. Like, there's no, like, why are you doing this? You know, we don't need to see it. Like, we, like we, like you have. He's in the same category as like a Alexander Gustafson or a or a Luke Rockhold or, mm-hmm. or these kind of guys where it's like you had a great career. Like unless you need the money, which once again I cannot judge or speak on because like maybe that Correct. is the case. But outside of hopefully that, hopefully not. Right. Hopefully, and I'm, I'm I'm like really hoping not because like you know they make good money, but I also don't know the personal situation, so I just I just don't know. But. But man, like you don't, you you hate seeing this kind of stuff. Like these these guys who you've had all these great memories of, or BJ Penn, like another just the prime example. You yes. know, it's just like you you don't you don't as a fan you don't want to see it because as a fan, we t- I've talked about it many times on the show. But for any new listeners, after you know changing platforms here, like like these pe- and this is not a roast or me being mean. Like these people have a place. Like you can be an ambassador for the company. You can do autograph signings. You can meet fans. Like you can, like you can give out your PO box. And I bet you hundreds of people write you letters and, and, and ask you for your autograph. And like, like there's people who are are your fans. Like there's still, you can still be a part of it. Like, and not have to go out there and get knocked out and like, destroy your legacy and like destroy your brain because that's on top that's the other thing between this and like other sports is like if you're if you're like a baseball player that this is happening to like worst case scenario you strike out like in in this it's like Stefan Struve who already has had like heart issues that jeopardized his career in the past and stuff like that like this guy's out here getting knocked out cold mm-hmm. like like that has long-term ramifications on your life. And we don't like, we don't, I just don't need to see it from these guys, especially when they have, you know, like I keep saying like, and I, and I, and I know that's a really hard thing for, for like fighters or like athletes to hear. And I'm not in their shoes. So like, I, I don't fully understand, but like from outside looking in, 
like, like we, like, I know you don't want to have to stop playing, but like the fans are still there for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like we're still there for you. We're still with you. You can still be involved, but just not in the cage, not in the cage anymore. And that's, that's where someone like Stefan Struve is at with me. I just don't, I have, I get no joy out of watching a guy like that getting dropped like that anymore. You know? Yeah, no, it's like, again, 40, it's his 42nd fight, man. Um, 29 and 13, but you know, we've a lot of sad shit more than anything, but, uh, you know, wins for, for Struve over fucking, of course, Tipe, he beat big nog. He finished, you know, Bigfoot Silva. Like there's some great moments in there, but yeah, it's, it's hard seeing a guy again, who, who everyone, you know, you hear such good things about Struve, how not, you know, just great things about him as a person. And we know the health issues. Uh, it's hard. It really is as a fan, man, to, to see to see someone get dropped like that. So I'm with you. I hope, you know, if he does fight again, uh, maybe take some some time and and maybe come back. But I, I'm I'm cool with you know, I'm cool with Stefan Struve never fighting again, just for the sake of his own health, man. Uh, those last two, you know, t- this past weekend, of course, the TKO to Rothwell. Um, it was fucking yeah, back in December, but. Um, shout out Stefan Struve for like you said it, man. A hell of a career. There's nothing. There's nothing to uh, to be upset about. I mean, I know everyone always wants to be a champ, but like, you know, if that's all you're holding on to, like, come on, man. Like, this is a new world out here. Um, yeah. So, when he you know also I mean? has, yeah, yeah, for sure. And he also has the the kind of unique advantage of you know being from Sweden, where like yes. they're like they're going to need like Swedish color commentators and they're going to need Swedish analysts and they're going to you know what i mean like cuz cuz the UFC being so worldwide like yep. you know they have their own broadcast setups like there's a there's a, a U, there's like a whole UFC Canada like, like TSN is different than ESPN and they have their own you know Canadian uh, people were like George St. Pierre will analyze things. And like, you know, it's like, so like in Sweden, I'm sure if they don't already have it, they will, but they probably already do. They probably have some sort of Swedish broadcast team and some sort of, you know, like, like, and who better, mm-hmm. who better than him? Like he's a shoe in for any kind of job like that. So like he had, he's going to have just, he has, he will have a life outside of fighting and, you know, but also, you know, I, I as much as I've said all this, I don't want to take away either. Like Tai Tuivasa, good win. Like he, he, Great, needed, yeah. he, needed, he needed that badly, and he got the job done, and it really revitalizes him because this was the difference between him probably being unemployed and possibly popping up in another company at some point, or keeping his job and keeping people interested and excited in his next fight. So you know, shout out to him too. So I, I will, I will say that also. For real, absolutely. Um, just finishing out the card, Alex Oliveira showed up out of shape again and got submission guillotine choked. That was awesome. I was really happy to see that. Um, I don't ever want to prey on someone's downfall, but, man, I just don't like how that guy carries himself. We've talked about it before. I think we – no secret on our end. I, I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, smiling Sam Alvey, in fact, did not fight Todd Duffy as Wikipedia tried to tell us. <laughs> uh, went to a split deci- – or, excuse me, a split draw – uh, 29, 28, 28, 29, 28, 28. Um, and then the two early prelims, both finishes. Anything stick out to you on these last couple of fights before we move on uh, to this weekend, bro? Yeah. I mean, just basically what you said, Olvera taking the L, you know, it's just, 
I mean, I don't I don't think I have the same type of disdain you do for him, but <laughs> but I also like I totally get it. And I yeah, and I, and I have been there every time he misses weight, like, for instance, this show, just like yep. really again. And then like you add in the kind of like the dirty fighting stuff that he implements. Yep. Occasionally. And, and part of what's frustrating about it, too, is like he has a really good skill set, so he doesn't even like need to be doing any of these things. It's just like. Him getting in his own way, for, like to despite himself, like I don't, I don't know why, um, but, but yeah, I mean, got choked out, and that's the other thing too. Like Oliveira, you definitely like you expect him to lose against certain people, but you don't really ever expect him to get submitted. So, um, Rachmanov really, uh, yeah, came in there and did the damn thing. Another one of those dangerous non-Wikipedia guys comes in there and <laughs> and, and uh, you know guillotines a guy that everybody knows so i would say that that's probably the outside of todd duffy not fighting of course that was probably <laughs> the the big highlight of the rest of the show <laughs> no yeah again uh steven jensen was on it. a lot of finishes this this card of course the big moments uh, uh pay-per-view where we're not i mean this will this uh ufc 254 will be a card that um it's definitely going to stick uh, in history just for everything with Habib. And then, of course, the finishes. And who knows, man, I mean, with Volkov moving forward, Whitaker moving forward, Phil Hawes possibly moving forward, Lauren Murphy. There's so much storyline-wise coming out of this that um, it does. It just felt like a really big night. Uh, we've already mentioned, but I'll say it again. Fight of the night was Kenny versus Wood. Performance of the night went to uh, Habib and, and, and Magomed over, again, that, that knockout over Kudaloba. Uh, great shit, man. We're gonna we're gonna pivot over now. This weekend, Saturday on fucking Halloween, bro. On Halloween night, I think it's. I don't. I guess I don't. Shouldn't. I don't know any other times. Yeah, I guess it's in Vegas. It's Halloween night. Anderson Silva. This is it, right? He he said it's his final fight. Uh, him and Uriah Hall going at it. This is a, a stacked. This main card is crazy. The entire card's crazy, honestly. But uh, we we gotta we gotta dive into this a little bit, man. Anderson Silva, one more time. Uh, we're gonna get to hear the fucking exit wounds, uh, DMX uh, coming out. And how are you gonna feel? Uh, you know, I know it's gonna be. I, I'm not expecting to be emotional, but I'm also. It's gonna be weird, man. We we've, we've grew up watching Anderson Silva fight. Yeah, it and. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I fully believe him that he's retiring. I don't know. And the reason is because I feel like, and I'm not, by the way, if he does retire, like I am fine with that. Like I, this man has nothing left to prove. He is one, he is, he is in that elite level, like the, the, the above elite level, like the, the, the level I was talking about before that you put Habib in, like, I think Anderson's still in that level. If you, if you look at what he did in his prime, and like, cause he could have just retired. See, that's the thing. Like Habib retiring would have like now would have been similar if like Anderson would have retired before he fought Weidman. Like everyone would have, yes. you know what I mean? Cause that would have been it. He would have had that legacy and you would have always questioned like, well, if he stuck around longer, if you would have fought this guy, this guy, this guy, but you don't even have that conversation with someone like Habib if he doesn't fight again, because it's like he did what he did and we just accept it for what he is. And we and he's in that conversation. Like he didn't ever get to the point of where he was on the losing streak and that kind of stuff. Um, now Anderson, you look at him a little bit different in hindsight just because of some of the losses after. But I still think you take his prime and his title run, 
and what he means to the sport and what he meant for for the company when you know like pride was getting when they had like absorbed pride around that same time and and mma was really really becoming huge in the united states and all that anderson you've got to put him in that same category someone like Khabib and someone like gsp and those kind of guys so that so anderson <clears throat> anderson is really he is really one of the all-time greats ever and ever and i think though that he's still like if he, i'm just saying like if he goes out there and like this just destroys uriah hall for instance on one hand that would be amazing that he just that that's a great way to go out but like what if it gets to a point where like you know he's still looking good and mm-hmm. like you know adesanya is like down for a rematch or there's some new champion like like he like Anderson isn't that far away from being like like a contender still at that weight. As like crazy as that sounds, because we we've even seen guys like Glover Teixeira who we thought were completely down and out of it, but because of you know certain types of matchups and still having a certain amount of skill, he's he's back in that title mix. Like I'm not necessarily saying I want to see that out of Anderson out of Anderson, but I think he could see himself being in the mix still if that makes sense. Like like. I, I honestly think there's a part of him that, like, if the UFC, if he beat Uriah Hall and just some, for some reason, the UFC offered him a title shot, he'd take it. You know what I mean? Like, I do. I do. Um, I, now, I'm not saying any of that will happen, but, like, I just, you know, like, I don't, I just feel like this might not be it for some reason. Well, it, it's crazy looking back. You know, he's 33 and four after the Bonner. He beat Stefan Bonner back in October of 2012. Then of course the Weidman fights. Then you got the Nick Diaz fight. Then that that the fight that I always look back on is that fight. I can't believe it's been this long. February 2016, the Bisbing fight. That you know, another ref may have stopped that fight, and and Silva may have won that fight. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying one way or the other that it should have been stopped because obviously Bisbing finished the fight and he got the win. Um, then after that, right, you've got him fighting Cormier light heavyweight, which was kind of thrown together to save the 200 card. You've got him beating Brunson. That surprised the shit out of me at that time. I was like, okay. And since then it's Adesanya and the loss, uh, the leg kick loss to Cannoneer back in May of 2019. So it's a really weird fucking journey. This last act for Anderson Silva. And I'm saying all this to say, I would not be shocked to see anything Saturday. I would not be shocked to see him go out and get finished or lose a decision or, you know I mean? There's just, I have no idea what to expect from Anderson Silva other than he's going to show up and he's going to be the spider. And um, I'd love to see him go out with a win, but I think you're right. I think if he does win this fight Saturday, I I think he's going to, he's going to find another fight. Like, I don't think this would be it. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting. The other thing too is like, it's like on one hand, I always kind of look at things on like both sides. Like on one hand, it's like the no fans thing is like kind of like poetic where it's like just them. Mm-hmm. Like the spotlight is completely on them. They have like, but on the other side, I'm also like all these amazing fighters like Daniel Cormier and Habib. And like if we had Anderson and, and uh, uh, Cejudo as well had done it, like all these people were tiring in front of no fans. That kind of sucks too. Like I kind of, yep. I, I'd like to see someone like Anderson go out in front of the fans and like really get that big moment, like of, of standing there after his fight, whether he wins or loses and having everyone chanting for him and stuff. Like I, I, I don't know, but 
But I also wouldn't want someone prolonging their career just for that reason either. I wouldn't want someone like going out there and getting their ass kicked just because they wanted to get another fight, but in front of fans, you know. No, I agree. I, it, that is, it's bittersweet that this this legend deserves that. He deserves to go out with that. But um, I'm excited for it. How do you uh, how do you see it breaking down between him and Uriah Hall? Um, well, as you mentioned, you know, Silva coming off of the losses uh, to Adesanya, who, of course, is the champion. So that yes. like, really doesn't look bad. No. Um, and then Cannoneer, who was just a number one contender fight. So that's kind of my point here of like, he's really yes. not that far off. Um, Uriah Hall, on the other hand, he beat Carlos Jr. and he beat uh, Bevon Lewis. But when it really matters for Uriah Hall, mm-hmm. he very rarely... Like, so the, if you go back, let's, let's say, I don't want to go all the way back to his, well, you know, you might as well. You go all the way back to his ultimate fighter days where he was touted as the next Anderson Silva. Like, you know, and that's why this fight, I think, makes so much sense too, stylistically. And because he was always kind of pegged as that next guy, but he never, he never was. Um, You go back to that. He loses to Kelvin Gastelum. Okay, we see where Calvin's gone since then. No shame in that. And then, you know, I don't want to go through every single fight here, but, you know, lost to Jordan Howard. Okay, beat Levin, you know, towards his uh, towards his downfall. Yep. Beat Thiago Santos before Santos hit his stride. Um, Ron Stallings, I have no idea where he's at currently. Rafael Natal, uh, blah, blah, blah. So then you get up to you get up to Musasi, which was a really impressive win. It was. But the way he did it was so lucky. And I hate to say <laughs> it because it's one of those things where it's like, I like, I, I, I can't, I don't want to say lucky. That's not the right word. It's just, it was a one out of a million chance of, of how he, he threw a kick to the, a, like a spinning kick to the body. And it just happened to be at the same exact time that Musasi like lean down and he caught him in the head with this kick that was meant for the body. And that was the, the beginning of the end for Musasi. And he wound up getting finished uh, not long after, but it was just one of these like just freak things similar to kind of the Anderson Silva and uh, Chris Weidman uh, two fight where like Weidman 1 million percent deserves that fight. Like he, you cannot take that away from him. It was a legitimate win a million percent, but what are the odds of somebody breaking their leg on a checked kick like that? Like it just rarely ever happens. And it was the same kind of thing with this Musasi fight, because then we saw in the rematch when they fought a second time, uh, Musasi beat him in the uh, first round. So, so when you look at Uriah Hall's record, it's just one of those things where when he fights like the top guys in the, in the big spots, I, I don't think he rises to the occasion. We saw it against Whitaker. We saw it against. We saw it against Brunson. We saw it against Musasi in the rematch. We saw it against Paulo Costa more recently. These are all great fighters, but I think when the spotlight's on him and he's got mm-hmm. Anderson Silva, when he's got Anderson Silva looking at him and Anderson Silva's motivated and he's thinking this might be the end of his career and he wants to go out on a spectacular win, I think I have to go with Anderson Silva to win this fight. So. And especially with those fights you, you rattled off. I mean, it's Whitaker, Brunson, Musasi, Paulo Costa. Those are his last four big-time fights, and they're all L's. So um, it's crazy to say it. Maybe 
maybe, but I think I'm with you. I, I think I think Anderson Silva, if he's if you said the word, if he's motivated, I think he is. Dana White saying this is it for him, really speaking for Silva. I'm hoping we see we see just that guy again, even if it is the last time, even if it's not, I don't really care. But just this night, Halloween night, I want to see the spider out there one more time, just really kind of flowing and moving. And I think, um, I think that'd be a hell of a way to go out or not. You're right, man. If you, if he mercs Uriah Hall and Dana kind of, we've seen him before. All right, fuck it. I'll throw you in there again. Um, so who knows? I just, I, I'm really excited. I know this has been a fight that, it's kind of been talked about, it feels like, for years. We're finally getting it. Um, of course, that's the main event Saturday. We've also got, you know, Touchy Feely versus Bryce Mitchell. Kevin Holland's on this card. Greg Hardy's fighting Mo Green. Bobby Green is uh, opening the, the fucking main card. I mean, these this is such a, you know, so much talk going into last weekend. We've kind of, myself included, almost forgot just how much uh, meat is on the bone Saturday night, bro. Yeah, this is a really good free card on ESPN Plus, and like free-ish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, free-ish. Yeah, I guess what five dollars a month or whatever, whatever it works out. I'm not sure, but I have like that that package or whatever where it's like ESPN, Hulu, Hulu. Disney. Yeah, same. Um, but uh, but this main this co-main event I think is awesome. I yes. love I love Bryce Mitchell. He's like one of my favorite fighters. Period. Like. The, the the ground game this guy has and just his constant attacks and looking for the finish and his his personality just adds to like kind of the intrigue there because it's like and he's supposed to have his camo shorts for this fight like Reebok in the UFC has promised him because he's been <laughs> complaining about not being able to wear camo for for all these years and now he's like he's supposed to be getting his camo shorts this is a guy who literally lives in the woods and like shoots squirrels and eats squirrel soup and just like trains to fight and just complete, just enigma. <laughs> like, like this guy, <laughs> like, like I, I love listening to this guy. And, and regardless of what side you're on politically, I do think it's, it just adds to it when like, like after he won his last fight, he got on the microphone was like, Donald Trump, Mr. President, if you ever need me, you know where to find me. You know, it's just like, it just like adds to it. You know, it's like, you know, this guy eats squirrels and lives in the woods and like loves Donald Trump. It just goes out, <laughs> it just goes out there and fights. Like, I don't know. I don't, and once again, I know people who hate Donald Trump will hear that and be like, yo, he's a Trump supporter. You're, I'm not, I'm not supporting Trump. I'm just saying like, as someone who just watches for entertainment, and, and you know what I mean? Like I, it's, it, it's entertaining to watch a guy like Bryce Mitchell just do his thing and be himself like just unapologetically this guy from just just from the woods and he's so good at fighting and um and yeah and i think andre feely is is a bit underrated like he's all he i think for a while he was overrated and now he's kind of getting underrated like he's still he can't he, he used to have a lot of hype behind him he was basically like i remember at one point people were basically calling him like the like an unofficial Diaz brother. Like he was like, and I think he's like friends with those guys and, and all that. But, you know, he is coming off of a win over Charles Jordan. Um, it was a split decision win. So, you know, it was really close. But I think the purpose of this fight is to get Bryce Mitchell, somebody that people recognize like Andre Feely. Because if Feely wins, it, it puts him in a really good spot in the featherweight division. If Mitchell wins, he's honestly... um. Like, even though he's ranked 15th right now, 
If he beats Feely, who is not who is currently unranked, I believe, he would move up to like. I mean, you'd have to put Bryce Mitchell in there next against like, you know, someone like Arnold Allen. That would be a really good fight because they're both really young. Uh, that would be awesome. You could have Bryce Mitchell in there against Josh Emmett when he's ready to come back, or, or yes. Calvin Cater. I mean, because it really opens up for Bryce Mitchell if he wins this fight. If Andre Feely wins, he's kind of like living up to potential, and like I think he'll be in the top fifteen. But if Bryce Mitchell wins, I think this propels him into like fighting top ten, top five guys next. So um, I think that this is it's a really important fight at featherweight, and, and featherweight is just loaded with killers. And I think that this will probably be, um, if I look through the card real quick, I think this will probably be the best fight of the night. I think it will probably be Feely and Bryce Mitchell. I have to absolutely agree. Uh, again, I've, I've always been a touchy-feely guy. I, I, I enjoy watching the man fight. Um, but, yeah, you, you really got me on Bryce Mitchell. I mean, well, that twister finish um, <laughs> last year, that really got me on him. But you were saying – you know, before really even I was on him at all, like, no, Bryce Mitchell's is fucking this. He may be, he's, he's a character. Don't get me wrong, but that like you, I, I agree. I, I think it adds to the, the, the story. It adds to, to him as a brand. I may not, have, but Hey man, like that, that's, that's what makes this country great. We could disagree. And I still can fucking like you as a fighter. And I, I cannot wait to see him in there with touchy feely. Cause I think you're right. If Bryce Mitchell goes out there, and does what I think he can do and really put a show on. I mean, the sky's the absolute limit, and he's still just so young. What is he, 26 years old, dude? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you mentioned the twister. Like, yeah, he has that twister finish, but when he's not finishing people with that, he's, like, always still going for it, like, on the ground. Going, yes. It's awesome. Like, there's there's no wasted motion. There's no time off. Because that's the thing, too, like, Bryce Mitchell, he has a lot of talent, obviously, like a lot of skill talent. But part of what makes him so good, so young, and like like rising the ranks as fast as he is, is his cardio is insane. Like whatever he's doing out in the woods, like he probably doesn't <laughs> he probably like doesn't drive cars and stuff. He probably just like walks and runs everywhere and like hunts and hunts and gathers during his day and, and swims and fishes, whatever, whatever, whatever he's doing is work. I mean, obviously he trains obviously, but like whatever he's doing, whatever combination he's doing is working really well because he goes in there and he got, he gets people exhausted and, and he, you just, you can't get him off of you. You think that you're okay on the feet. Then the next thing you know, you're on the ground. And as you're trying to get up, you can't move. And then you realize you're almost in a twister. So you have to get out of the twister. And then you you realize you're out of the twister, but you're almost in an arm bar. So once you're out of the arm bar, you're almost back in the twister. And like you just, it's just nonstop. It's just it's so much fun to watch. Um, and and by the way, he also isn't one of those guys like Colby who's like just just I'll just throw this out there. He's not one of those guys like Colby or even like Masvidal at this point who's going out there and like just constantly like waving the flag for Trump. I've just heard him mention him just kind of offhand in a couple of speeches. So like I wouldn't want that deterring people from becoming a fan of his. I can see it with Colby. Like I get all yeah. that. But like the Bryce thing, it's it's a guy who I don't know the best way of putting this. I I I'll put it this way. I'm from Georgia. I know plenty of people who are probably kind of similar. They live their own little lives, they do their own little mm-hmm. things, they kind of mm-hmm. stay out of everything. And for all you know, we don't know what his you know, I don't know what how how into politics he actually is. For all I know, he's just 
extra American. It doesn't matter who the president is. There's people like that too. It's just whoever it is, I follow them. Like that's my leader. That's my, you know what I mean? And that's, I just want to throw that out there too, because I would, I, I don't want to categorize him the same as Colby and, and people automatically thinking like, Oh, this guy's like wearing the MAGA hat and like, and, and like campaigning for him. You know what I mean? There is a difference there. So want to throw that out there. Well, yeah, there's anyone, no one should compare anybody to Colby Covington on that. That guy is waving that, literally waving the flag. <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely can't wait for this fight. I think we're both in agreement, Rod. Are you going to you gonna take Bryce in this matchup? Yeah, I'm taking Bryce. I mean, like I said, I think it'll be the best fight of the night. Um, but I think that Bryce is going to be able to kind of do the same kind of thing he's been doing. I think he's going to get Andre Feely, touchy Feely to the, uh, to the mat. And I think he's just going to work just, just consistent, just just an array of different submission attempts, probably throwing some strikes there on the ground. And I think at the end of the day, Bryce Mitchell will finish Andre Feely um, with a submission. But I think it'll be, but I think it'll be late in the fight. I think it'll be after a nice war. I can't wait again. That's that's the one I've got circled as well, man. Uh, any other, you know, it's about that time. And any other fights you wanna you wanna get in before we gotta get out of here? I know. You know, again, we didn't talk about it a lot, but in the prelim card, you've got Courtney Casey, you've got Sean Strickland versus Jack Marshman, you've got uh, Alexander Hernandez back in action, and of course, already on the main card, we talked about Mo Green, Greg Hardy, Bobby Green back in action. There's just so, there's a lot on this Saturday, this Halloween card, man, that it just kind of snuck up on me. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool to see Bobby Green back in there again already, because yes, he fought last month, and he fought in August before that, and June before that, so like... I mean, this is one of those guys, me and you were talking about it before we switched platforms, but like, we've been talking about this a lot. We're like, these are the kinds of people the UFC is going to give a lot of favors to right now because Bobby Green stayed active throughout the whole pandemic and he's winning fights. So like, he's got yeah. another opportunity to win another one this weekend uh, in, a, in a good matchup. Like, I think that that's going to be awesome. And if Bobby Green wins, what a great turnaround for him. And um, Maurice Green versus Greg Hardy, like, People can can say what they want about Greg Hardy and his past. I I totally understand the hate that he gets. Totally, but if I'm looking at it just as a fight, which is the only care thing I can yeah. really, right, which is the only thing I can really do, like analyzing the fight itself. Um, right. I think I think Greg Hardy gets the job done again. Like I think he's actually a lot better than what people give him credit for. I think I think there's a lot of reason to dislike the guy. Um, but I think that also yeah. somewhat clouds the judgment of, of how athletic and powerful he, and, and just fast he, he really is. Um, for a guy, I have to give him credit, because for a guy with such little experience, to be able to do what he's done this far in the year, now he's had his controversies, like fights that have ended in DQs and stuff like that, um, in the whole inhaler thing. Like there's there's been mm-hmm. controver- there's been controversial moments for sure. But if you're looking at just like, you know, as a fighter, a guy who is he's huge, he is insanely fast and 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 uh his reflexes and stuff from his NFL career like are really second to none. Like th- these are things that like you just can't teach people. Oh, maybe you can teach, but this this is literally a lifelong of him being a professional athlete level guy. Like his his hand speed is, is actually pretty damn fast and his his power is, is a lot of power. He just doesn't have like the precision and stuff yet. Um, but he's athletic enough and big enough that he can beat a lot of people at this weight class. And 
I think Mo Green's a good fighter. And like on paper, I probably should pick Green, but I do think Hardy's going to win again. Um, and um, regardless of what I personally think about him or anyone else, like I, I think that, you know, if he, if, if Hardy does win, like you got to give him another good fighter. And like, if he wins that, like, I mean, we're really talking about a guy. He's still out of, out of there a little bit right now, but like he has put, he has a lot of potential um, as a fighter, like he he really does. So I have to give him credit there. Well, we both talked about it at the time. Uh, a guy we were just raving about, Alexander Volkov. I think I learned more watching Greg Hardy in that loss than I have yes. in any of his wins for the USC. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I I can't believe I forgot to mention that. But yeah, you are one million percent right about that. Right? Right? It went the distance. He did. Yep. So. So, I mean, that that says a lot about how good he is already. Um, because we just saw what happened to Walt Harris. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that makes you think. Like, I hate doing MMA math because I have been very wrong using it. <laughs> um, especially with that Corey Sanhagen and uh, Marlon Marais fight. I used the, the Aljamain Sterling MMA math in that, and I was super wrong. But... I just have to think, like, honestly, I mean, it makes me think, could Hardy beat a guy like Walt Harris? And if he can, he's like a legit top 15, top 10 guy, you know? Like, I mean, there's, we still don't know for sure yet, but I mean, it'll be interesting. Because the other, the other side of it yeah. is this. There's a lot of people that are that are waiting and hoping to see the for next, sure. to that guy get him. You know what I mean? Like, Mo Green could go in there and smoke him. And if he does, I think a lot of fans will rejoice. I think Mo Green will become a bigger name. And I think that Greg Hardy will have a lot to think about because I don't know. I don't know how he would rebound by getting, if he got like just knocked out cold, I don't know how he rebounds from that. Maybe he just brushes it off and gets onto the next fight. Or maybe he never fights again. I'd be out of like embarrassment and like the backlash. I don't know. But that's a big part of it too. With uh, with when Greg Hardy fights is, um, I remember like Juan Adams. People were thinking he was going to be that guy, and then Hardy smoked him. And I kind of feel the same about Mo Green. I, I'm not. I, it's not a dis or a, or a slight or anything to Mo Green. It's just I just still think Greg Hardy is is still good enough to to beat a guy of Mo Green's level. But I am more interested if he gets by Mo Green at him fighting somebody like a Walt Harris. Somebody, I mean, if we've seen him fight Volkov for a full fight like that really that's a lot i mean that's very impressive it just is like there aren't many fighters doing that no yeah again both fighters have been active this will be uh greg hardy's second fight of 2020 mo green is one and one this will be his third he's got a win excuse me a win over jen Vellante back in june and then a loss to olenic back in january so Third fight of COVID, if you will, for Mo, uh, second of the year for Greg Hardy. I'm excited about it, man. Like, again, take out the, uh, you know, the outside the cage stuff again, which I tried to. Uh, I'm very interested to see how Greg Hardy looks uh, against Mo Green, man. Um, man, I'm going to pitch it to you. I, I, I'm, I'm very happy uh, to be a part of this new platform and everything, man. Again, everybody listen. If the first time you're hearing me, please follow me at Mo's KOBK. And uh, once again, man, I had an absolute blast with you, Steven Jensen. Appreciate that, man, very much. Thanks for coming on. We're going to be doing more of these. The plan 
is to do these every Monday. So you'll hear them usually on Mondays. I can usually get them out there unless there's some sort of unforeseen technical issue or something. I usually get them out there on Mondays. Um, so you know, the people will be hearing this uh, pretty shortly. And um, is there anything else you want to plug before I plug all my stuff, Moe's? No, man, uh, I've got uh, wrestling stuff coming up uh, over on IWTV. So anybody flips over that by chance, uh, be sure to anything with action wrestling or New South Wrestling, any of that. But uh, really just more MMA talk. Uh, I've got some video work coming out that I can't really talk about right now. Uh, and just uh, kicking it with you when I can, man. Again, um, appreciate being on here, bro. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to check something on YouTube really, really quick before I start plugging anything. Uh, da, 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 da. All right, cool. So, uh, yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm Fight Talk underscore on Twitter, F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. And I should have a video coming out sometime soon um, for all things MMA. I have it edited. They have it. It hasn't been uploaded yet. And I just checked to see um, if it was uploaded. And the reason they haven't uploaded it yet is they actually, they put out a video that is absolutely killing it right now, which I'm very happy to see. Um, they put out a video right after UFC 254. I don't know why I had such a hard time saying that. UFC 254. <laughs> um, um, and it almost it has 1.9 million views. It went up a day ago. So hell Damn. yeah, I like seeing that. But if you want to see that stuff over there, it's all things MMA. Um, I have another video coming out there soon. I'll be on a YouTube channel with my buddy Throwback. Uh, his name is Pat. That'll be tomorrow night. And the channel is Throwback27. We're going to be doing 8 p.m. I think that's 8 p.m. Eastern. I'm almost positive. 8 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. That'll be live on YouTube. Let's be talking some pro wrestling and, uh, and that kind of stuff. I'll be, I should be doing an interview with Danny Adams soon, uh, a.k.a. Dan the Dad. We talk in the collective and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. That'll be sometime this week. Um, Fightful. Oh, yeah, if you want to check out my review I did of Impact's Bound for Glory, you can go on Fightful's YouTube channel. Myself and Sean Ross Sapp did the post show right after. So you can check that out. At, once again, that's just Fightful on YouTube. And speaking of Fightful, I do their Weekender podcast. If you want to join the Fightful Select team or uh our subscribers i should say over there at their patreon service i do a weekender podcast it's called the weekender podcast it's every weekend and i talk independent wrestling ring of honor uh nxt uk uh, just a bunch of random stuff basically all like non-raw non-smackdown non-aw dynamite type stuff i even cover being the elite just to have a little bit of kind of aw presence in there so a whole bunch of stuff there that's over at uh, fightfulselect.com so that's everything i've got and I want to thank Moe's once again for joining me. Make sure to subscribe right here on any platform that you're listening. And we will be back next Monday with more MMA talk.